way real estate works is that there's actually two separate assets in one. You have the actual property itself. The actual real estate is one asset. And then the note that is attached to that uh, uh, property is the second asset. For us as in real estate investors, we deal a lot with the asset side of things, the property side. But the banks, who is our mortgage mortgagee or our lender, they play on the note side of that asset. Yeah. And so both of those, the property and the note, they're both very sellable. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode right now. Welcome to the Naked Truth about real estate investing. I'm your host, Timai, and I have my super handsome co-host, Javier Hinojo, with us today. This episode is sponsored by the Hero Capital Raising Show. And as you noticed, the last six episodes... Tim and I have been wearing the same shirt and we're trying to figure <laughs> out who is going to get rid of the shirt before. So we haven't showered. We haven't put on new deodorant. It's just been like, it's been like what, three weeks now. And we've just been wearing the exact same shirt and I'm going to beat you, Tim. I'm going to hold on to it until I see you <laughs> yes. without it. So let you know. <laughs> That's right. All uh, right. I, so to, uh, I like yeah. to make you laugh, man. All right. What's the topic today? What's Thank the topic? You. Yes. So the topic today is on the different types of investing and passive investing, especially passive investing, because I know that when it come, whenever it comes to real estate investing, the most common way that most people know of is to buy a rental house. That's probably the most common real estate investing. So we'll talk about other types of real estate investing and passive investing uh, on this call. Let's start out with Javier, besides owning a single family home, how else can someone, one other way that someone can invest in real estate? All right. So it's true, Tim. People say, I'm, I buy real estate. They go buy a house. They buy a second house. They buy a fifth house. They buy 10 houses, especially if they don't need the money to survive. Maybe they make 150 bucks, 200 bucks a month. Maybe one year, they vacant for two months. HVAC goes out, costs three grand. They made no money that year on it. But as time goes on, the mortgage gets paid down and usually the prices go up, right? If you hold them long enough, you're going to do very well for yourself. Very well. Probably better than any other kind of investment that you do with your 401k or whatever it is. You're going to do well and it has some tax advantages as well. But a lot of folks don't have the time or maybe just don't enjoy it, right? They don't enjoy trying to get tenants in, getting the culture of the repairs. So you can outsource that, but you still got to manage the property manager. Yep. Not, they're going to they're gonna treat your property like trash but not really take care of it because you as the owner will do the best job. But there's a lot more. You got you can invest. You can buy mortgage notes. You can do private lending, right? If you have money and there's a flipper out there who wants to need some money for a flip, you can say, hey, look, I'll partner up with you and you give money for a flip. They pay you 10% interest or whatever you guys agree to. And you can make money that way. Money in, money out. You got the syndications, right? Where you're, bought, you're part of a big project. If somebody's raising $5 million and you put in $100,000 and you're just part of a big pool. And you can also make a pretty good return. Just remember, everything has risk, right? Everything has risk. It is an investment. But you got to find what fits your personality. Some people right. are like, hey, I don't invest on anything that's less than five years. People, some people don't want to redeploy the capital. They don't want to redeploy the capital every three months, every six months, every year. They're like, hey, I need my capital to be somewhere three, five, seven years. I'm happy. I don't need a bet. 
some people need it back every year, right? They want to, they like to shop around, see what else they can do. It all depends on your personality as an investor. What, what other, yeah. what other, anything that I missed? Yeah, yeah, let's, or let's, we can dive in. Yeah, let's talk about the pros and cons of each. You touch on it a little bit, yeah. but we'll, we'll, we'll dive a little deeper. With houses, like owning a rental home, the pros obviously is you have ownership, right? You own this home, you get, to, there's appreciation, there's tax benefits, like Javier mentioned. The, the cons, the disadvantage is that you are now an active operator, manager, right? You have to manage the property. You have to yeah lease the property, secure a good tenant. Hopefully, if it's a bad tenant, you can be dealing with a lot of headaches. And all the liabilities that comes with being a landlord, you do take that on. And so that's that's one aspect of it. And then the for the private lending, which is where you are, instead of you owning the property, you, you, uh, you, you're going to, another investor is going to buy the property and you're going to let them borrow the money to buy and to fix up the property um, and, and let them do all the work. Let, let them you know, deal with all the headaches and you just get a, a, a flat uh, interest rate for, for your money. The good thing about that is that it's a lot less passive. There's nothing you have to manage. You don't have to manage construction. You don't have to manage tenants or any of that stuff. But you don't get any upside potential. Whatever you get is strictly the cash flow that you get uh, from the interest rate. And that's it. You lose out on the, the upside potential. You lose out on the tax advantages. What else would be some of the pros and cons about private lending that you can think of? Um, it, it falls in as, I don't know how it would be taxed as well. So you're going to have a somewhat of a high tax bill. If it comes in as ordinary income, it's going to fall in as your ordinary income as well. That's the spots but but you get your money back pretty quickly six months nine months a year it rotates pretty quick right and if you got to think about it if, if somebody says hey i'll pay you 10 percent a year and it says okay sounds great but they use your money for nine months they give it back to you and, and it sits there for nine months you didn't really make that 10 percent. you only made that 10 percent for nine months you made more like whatever eight on your money because right. you sat in your bank account for 90 days then you gotta redeploy it so you're not you're gonna really make that 10 percent. it really it's really never gonna happen because if you get it back within that year, within yeah. a year, if it's a 13-month loan or 15-month loan, yeah, sure, you made 10% per year. But again, once you put it back in your account to get ready to redeploy, it's not making you any money. So those are the, the good right. thing, uh, pros and cons. But at least you get your money back fairly quickly for something else. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more liquid than... And yep. we'll, we'll jump straight into the next is investing in syndications, which is not as liquid as passive investing, but share with us what are the advantages and disadvantages of investing in syndications. The good part about syndication is there's really nothing for you to do. You're coming in as a limited partner, right? You're investing in a property and you're really investing in the GP group that they're going to execute the business plan and make everybody money, right? Again, like everything, it's still a risk. Everything's a risk. When you sign the paperwork, it says you can lose all your money. Right. But the good thing is that there's, if the project goes well, there's usually pretty good returns. And you also get some tax advantages because it's a longer project, three, five, seven, 10 years. So you get some tax returns on any income you made on that investment. And you don't really have any operational stuff. You just set it and forget it and get your quarterly updates or monthly updates or whatever it is that that group does. But your money is there for three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. If we needed it back, I've had some cases where I have some investors that at an emergency, they're like, hey, I need, can I get my capital back? And we'll do whatever we can to try to replace him with another investor, but they miss on the upside, right? If we hadn't paid any preferred return that year or any, we hadn't paid out any money, 
they're in and out. They took the risk for a year. They didn't make any money. And then we bring in another investor and we can try to replace them. But then now that investor is going to make more money because they missed that first year risk, right? But it depends on the syndication. You might not be able to take your money out, especially if there's no nobody available to take it out or you might have to take it out at a discount. Some people charge penalties, 50%, 30%. It just depends, right? So you got to make sure you're okay with leaving that capital there for a long time. And it, it can be a good thing because if you're a busy professional, not like if a private lender where you got to redeploy every six months, nine months, every year, this one sit there for three to five years and you don't have to worry about redeploying it until it comes back. So those yeah. are the pros and cons. Did I miss anything? No, I think you got it. You could definitely cover it all. Let's talk about mortgage notes, seller financing notes. A lot of people favor those as well because it's long-term. Yeah, it could be 10, 15, 20 years and the cash flow keep coming from those mortgage notes. So tell me what what a mortgage note is, Tim. Yeah, so a mortgage note and how it's different from private lending. Mortgage note is typically for your loaning money to someone that's living in the house. And so let's say someone who couldn't afford to get a bank loan, okay? They needed owner financing. And so whether you yourself who, let's say you own the house and you're going to sell the house to them on owner financing, you're the note originator. Or it could be that someone else, another investor, let's say Javier originated, he sold a house on owner financing he originated that note and then you bought that note from Javier. Just now it's just passive income for you. So that's investing in mortgage notes. Okay. And mortgage notes are a lot more passive because the person owning the house, they take care of all of that stuff. You don't do anything because they're an owner of the house. You, you're acting as a bank at this point, right? And so you just get your monthly principal and interest payment checks. And so some of these notes can, especially a lot of these borrowers, because they're not bankable, they can't get a bank loan. Unless they sell the house, they can't even refi you out <laughs> a lot of cases, right? And so, yeah, so these are much more long-term passive income. And, and that, that long-term passive income without any kind of management, without even having to vet the deal every few years or whatever, is why a lot of people like mortgage notes. Do you have you sold any of your houses on, on financing, or do you own some? Yes, I did. I did a few mortgage notes. I still got one that's still paying me right now, and I had one that paid it all off, which is great. It was I got a really small mortgage note it was like fifty k. Okay. Uh, that one and the buyer sold it, paid it all off um, sometime last year, and then I, I saw the property value. I think we bought it for seventy k, something like that, fifty seventy k. His property value was like almost 200000 So I was so happy for him. They paid off their mortgage and now their house is worth like two hundred k, which is pretty cool. And But yeah, I've done that in the past. So what happens if somebody needs their money back? Can you sell this note? Can you get rid of it? How, how do you get your money out if you need it? Yeah, yeah. Just like how you might have bought that note from another investor, you can also sell. Yeah, the way houses work in case, and it's not just houses, real estate, I should say. The way real estate works is that there's actually two separate assets in one. You have the actual property itself, the actual real estate is one asset, and then the note that is attached to that uh, uh, property is the second asset. For us as in real estate investors, we deal a lot with the asset side of things, the property side. But the banks, who is our mortgage mortgagee or our lender, they play on the note side of that asset. Yeah. And so both of those, the property and the note, 
they're both very sellable. And so you can always sell the property without selling the note. You can always sell the note without selling the property. Two completely different ownerships. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, there, so there's yeah. a way to give it. If you need your money back, you can sell your note and get your money back. So I know some people buy a note like kind of cheap and they can make money when they flip the note. They can buy it at a kind of cheap and they can sell it to another yeah. investor a little bit higher and they make a spread. Yeah, cool especially, on, especially on non-performing notes. So non-performing notes is when the owner that's living at the house is not paying payments on it, right? So let's say they're going through a divorce or they lost their job or whatever and they stop making payments on it. So now this becomes this note become a non-performing note and you have to do something to get it to perform. You can foreclose on it. You can work something out with that homeowner modifying the notes, okay? Big banks, a lot of times, big banks, they don't go through the trouble of working out something with the homeowner. So the easiest route for them is just hire an attorney, foreclose on it. So a lot of investors will come in, buy these non-performing notes from banks, and then work out, and, and, and typically they buy it in packages. They don't just buy one. But let's say they buy a package of a million dollars worth of note, $10 million worth, $100 million worth of notes, whatever that is. And then they go and work out a loan modification with the borrower, depending on what the situation is, and, and then get that borrower to perform again. And now once the borrower performs for at least six months, now you have a performing note that's worth way more than when you bought it as a non-performing note. So that is a strategy as well. And yeah, a lot of investors also do that. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. What else we got? What else we got? Yeah, one last one. One last one that's not really in the note side, but it's definitely no note to mention is land banking. Land banking is where you buy the land, just hold on to it. Okay. So it's it's passive for you in a sense that you don't do anything to the land. You bought it, you park your money there, and you just wait for it to appreciate. And the strategy that I, because I deal a lot with land, so I get to meet some of these landowners. One of the one of the gentlemen that that I bought thirty acre from his family, and he owns over um, uh, uh, almost three thousand acres total. This is just a a rice farmer, Javier. But he, um, what made him so smart was as he made money in rice farming, he just used that money to buy land. That's it. And this, this, yeah, this started like over 40 years ago. And so next thing he started out with how maybe a hundred acres or whatever. Now it just, as he buys more and more land, now he's in his, uh, pretty old, like close to 90 or something like that. Uh, He has two kids and they own, they automatically so rich (laughs) because of all the land that he owns. And so, so yeah, so land banking, especially when you start to bank on land right outside of a major metro, because eventually if you look 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, maybe even 30 years down the road, it's going to expand out to you. And if you're, if, if, if you buy land that is in that path of growth, the chance of your land appreciating and making you way more than if you invest that money in stocks or or something else. And yeah, that is a definitely a strategy worth mentioning as well. So I wanted to, yeah, to let you guys know about that. Oh, that is awesome. I have a friend who buys land and then they buy a hundred acres 
And then what they'll do is they'll keep 50 and then the other 50 acres, they make them into five acre lots. And then they make enough That's money smart. where now they got all their money back and now they have free 50 acres. And then if they need to go buy some more and they don't have enough money, they can take a loan on the first 50 acres, right? Like a million dollars in that loan and they can go buy something else and then make the money out of it and pay the loan back. And then they just end up trying to, they, they, they want to keep half the land, right? So if they buy 100 acres, they want to keep 50. That's the goal, right? So if it's making them into 10, five acre lots or 50, one acre lots, whatever it takes, and they're out there in the tractor and clearing lots, and that's all they do, right? And they're buying land, I think like under $10,000 an acre. That's kind of a buy box. And, 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 they're, and they get pretty much make free land. You don't, in case you don't have money to keep buying, they right. buy it, sell half of it, and then get all their money back and go do it again and do it again and do it again. I forgot they got thousands of acres now. So it's pretty cool. Wow. Pretty cool. That's impressive. Very impressive. Awesome. Yeah. We'll uh, wrap this up. Hope you guys enjoy this. All right, Javier, you want to wrap us up? Yes. I'm Javier Hinojo along with my co-host, Tim I. Don't lose your shirt. Don't lose your, don't lose your shirt, everyone. See you on the next episode. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.